0: Let's start with this. If if you can think of a hobby, an activity, a vocation, or a sport, maybe one of those just popped into your mind, and, and if you did, then there are fundamentals that kind of drive that vocation, activity, hobby, or sport. So as, as I'm walking around, you, you can just raise your hand, say what your activity, sport, vocation is, and give me maybe one or two fundamentals that go along with that. Who's, who's, who's going to lead us off? Who's going to lead us off? Over here. Okay, okay. Brentley, name your thing. Soccer. Soccer. Yes, see? All right, pay attention. Right? Show The kid's showing us the way. Give me one or two fundamentals. Not being able to put, use your hands. Yeah, you can't use your hands. And, and, the goal. and yeah, you got to kick the ball on the goal. That's, come on, how about a little love for our youth? All right, somebody else. Na- name an activity of something and then sculpting oh nice the arts all right and a fundamental one or two yeah spatial awareness and how to use your hands that's good did I see your hand go up Jocelyn volleyball Volleyball. give me a couple of fundamentals one or two bump set hit (laughs) yeah that's great anybody back here Perry woodworking Woodworking? yes because you are a woodworker couple of fundamentals. Say that again. Measure twice, cut once. once. Yes. And everybody says, come on, Jamal. Kung fu. How did I know that you were going to, it's either that or anime, but I'm not sure anime qualifies as of right. All right. So kung fu and give me one or two fundamentals. Strong legs. Discipline. I like it. Somebody else. Anybody here in the middle? Anybody here in the middle? Anybody here in the middle? Activity, vocation, hobby? can automotive. automotive yes uh, making, sure you know making sure you know what you're doing yes and have alan smith brentley's dad on speed dial that's what we say yeah somebody, anybody over here anybody over here on the come on somebody on the right side's got to represent yes learning a language in a, a couple of fundamentals vocabulary vocabulary Yes, being willing to practice and speak up even if you're bad at it, right? If, if we were to keep going, there's most things in life we, we can think of. There are, are fundamentals that, that drive those things. The, the question for us tonight is, does Christianity have fundamentals? When, when you think about what it means to be a devoted follower of Christ, are there fundamentals that are the basis and the foundation of the Christian experience? And I would argue the answer to that question is yes. And I would go as far to say, I think that there are six. And we've been teaching these six here at City Life Church for many years, and they are as follows. Number one is devotion to Jesus, intimacy with God, care for others, courage to change, diligence and mission, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a note taker tonight, it's going to drive you crazy. That's okay. All of these notes are going to be online. It's already uploaded. It's going to be there for you to, to download. So don't try to keep up. Just, just just soak it in. Just soak it in, right? So devotion to Jesus, intimacy with God, care for others, courage to change, diligence in mission, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now you might say, Fred, where do you get those six fundamentals from? We draw them out of what we refer to as the six commanding invitations of Christ. We call them commands because as we read in Scripture, Jesus gives them to us as commands. Sometimes Jesus gives invitations. Sometimes he gives commands. And then I would say sometimes he gives what I like to call commanding invitations, meaning meaning that you've got to voluntarily be willing to participate in them. It's a choice. There's consequence if you don't, but oh, there's goodness if you do. But the way that he states it, is by way of a command. The first one, we state as follow Jesus. Now, we say it that way to help you. He didn't speak of himself in the third person because that would have been weird, right? He says, follow me. But but we rewrite that as follow Jesus. So many times as we see Jesus interacting with people, there's at some point he says to them, hey, follow me. Then he says, love God, when he was asked the greatest commandment, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It, right, The second is like unto it, but we skip that because he says love your neighbor as yourself. But we go to John 13, that's where he says a new command I give you to love others as I have loved you. That's important because sometimes you don't want people to love you the way that they love themselves. Can we agree on that? What we want is for people to love us the way that God has loved them because that's a better love. right? So he says, follow Jesus love God, love people, and then in Matthew five forty-eight he says, be therefore perfect. We say it in the King James because it sounds better that way, right? Be perfect. He, th- right, this is the one where there has to be courage to change. We cannot stay who we are. He calls us into a life of transformation. The Great Commission, go everywhere, go into all the world, and then the last one in Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and that's be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, you might say, Fred, that sounds more like a promise, but I would say, if you read it the right way, it sounds more like a parent talking to their children. You will clean up your room. You will empty the dishwasher. You tracking tracking with me? So when Jesus says, Oh you you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you. The the six commanding invitations of Christ give to us the six fundamentals of Christianity. I would say that when Jesus said in John 10.10 that he's come to give us life and to give us life to the fullest possible measure, you cannot experience the fullness of life as a devoted follower of Christ without all of those fundamentals being present in your experience. Just like all the hobbies we mentioned, just like the vocations that people talked about, maybe the ones that you thought about but didn't raise your hand to say, you can do them with only practicing some of the fundamentals, but it will never be as great as it would be if you did them all. And Christianity is no different. He invites us into all six so that we can experience the fullness of the measure that he has for us. Somebody say fundamentals. I want to focus in and drill down on just one of them tonight. We don't have time to do all six. Again, I've got got all six as if we were teaching and preaching them in the notes, again, that you can download, or you can get one of these books. They're free from someone in a blue shirt, or you can go to letspraxis.com, and you can do a free digital download that talks about all six in detail. But we're going to spend our time tonight talking about the last one, Receive Power, Listen to this statement. My potential, your potential, our potential necessitates power. Because my Christian potential surpasses my human ability. My Christian potential surpasses my human ability. And because of that, that power must come from on high. This series is is, is about living this life of good godly deeds, that good godly deeds are going to flow from our lives. There are some good deeds that, that you can do, that I can do, that we can just muscle through them. We, we, can, we can make them happen in our own strength. But there are things that God has assigned to us, that he has called to us, that our human ability is going to fall short, and that we're going to have to depend and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish them. And I would argue even the ones that maybe you can do within your own strength, oftentimes you're not even going to know to do it, like the experience that we had last night, unless the Holy Spirit whispers to you, my potential necessitates power. And because my Christian potential surpasses my human ability, that power must come from on high, which is why Jesus said in Acts 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It is a fundamental of Christianity, is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has this incredible story of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. When when Jesus was born into this world, we understand that he was both fully God and fully man from the moment of his conception. So we read in the biblical narrative, as Dom talked about Sunday school, growing up in Sunday school, Saturday school for our kids today. We teach them about the virgin birth. Mary, not having known a man, the Holy Spirit comes upon her and she conceives a child, right? The the virgin birth of Jesus is part of the biblical narrative. When, When Jesus left heaven, came to earth, was born of a woman, he was born into this world, both fully God and fully man, meaning that all of who God is was inside of him from the very first moment he was conceived. Because of what we believe about the oneness of God, we know that Jesus came into this world with the Holy Spirit as part of who he is. If that's new for you, go back to the beginning of the year, the Doxa series. We talk about the seven basic doctrines of Christianity. God is one is one of them. And, and then we see this, this experience. When Jesus turns 30, he's lived his life in relative obscurity. His cousin, John the Baptist, baptizes him, right? Great timing tonight. Water baptisms. We've been doing this for 2,000 years. Come on, church. And and so when Jesus goes down into the water to be water baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says that the heavens roar, the voice from heaven shouts down, this is my son that I love, with whom I'm well pleased. And then something comes down, the Holy Spirit comes down like a, what's the analogy? It is a, a dove. Yes, come on, well done. I'm impressed. Yeah, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and it says it rests on him. Now, this is curious for us because all of who the Holy Spirit is is already inside of him. Now, this is important because I think God is showing us that in this life, What we believe, when you and I are born into the family of God, what these young people learned tonight in their baptism class that was earlier today, is that when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, you take your first spiritual breath, and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Just like the Holy Spirit was in Jesus. But it doesn't mean that there aren't more encounters and experiences with the Holy Spirit that are waiting for us in this life. See, salvation is not the end of it. It's just the start of it. And even though Jesus was born into this world with the Holy Spirit inside of him, there was an encounter that he had with the Holy Spirit at his baptism. The Holy Spirit's in him, but the Holy Spirit descends upon him and rests on him. And then the Holy Spirit did something, if if you pay attention to the text, that seems like it doesn't fit. It says, then the Holy Spirit leads him away into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, that's, a, that's interesting, isn't it? It, it? Because when we do the Lord's Prayer, we say, Lord, lead us not into. Yes, yes but sometimes he does. Not, not so that we will fail. He, he, he doesn't allow us to face temptation because he, he, he wants us to succumb to it. But he's trying to teach us that in our humanity, we can resist it. See, there are times where he leads us into situations and circumstances that we would never choose ourselves, that we would never choose ourselves, because there's something that we learn about ourselves when we're tested and tried. Jesus goes into the wilderness, he's there for, let's keep the quiz going. How long is he in the wilderness? yes, come on. And that was a young voice over here. Bring it. 40 days he's there. And he doesn't eat any food the whole time that he's there. So at the end of this 40 days in the wilderness, the devil himself comes to him and says, if you're truly the son of God, how about you turn this stone into bread? And and then Jesus has this banter with the devil three different times. And 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 because the next time the devil talks to him about casting himself down from the top of the temple and and that God would 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 send angels to save and rescue him. And 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 then a third time he says how about I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you bow down before me. See each one of these temptations correspond with what we learn in 1 John chapter 2 which are the three primary desires of the human experience, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, we've been teaching this for years here at City Life. I was away at a retreat most of this week. I'm a pastor mentor for a group that invests and raises in young Christian leaders. We do a cohort every year. Amy Kimball's in the cohort this year. Come on, Amy Kimball. So good. That was a weak clap. Come on. There you go. That's the City Life way. And Paul McConaughey, phenomenal teacher, t- talked about. I've never seen this connection before, so I'm giving him a shout out. We- Many of us have grown up, right? It's 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 understanding that the, the temptations of the wilderness each correspond with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The 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 turning the bread into stone when he's hungry is Jesus dealing with this temptation of the lust of the flesh, right? It's a physical appetite. When 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 the devil tried to tempt him to cast himself down and, and fall, and that 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 to God would send angels to rescue him, that this is about the pride of life. This is about boastfulness, right? There's something inside of us that wants to say to other people look what I can do. Right? We want to be envied by other people, right? It's something broken inside of us. And and then when he says look, look at the kingdoms of of the world this is ambition, right? This is this is the lust of the eyes. Approval, ambition, approval, ambition and appetite. These are the 3 If you read in the Lucan narrative in Luke chapter 4, at the end of his temptation, listen to this, it says that Jesus left full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, he was born into this world with the Holy Spirit. He has an encounter with the Holy Spirit at his baptism, but it's not till after he faces the devil in these temptations does it say that he came in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit? Acts eight. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I would argue, and I think what Jesus is saying, is there is a potential for power. But just as it was for him, if we're not willing to face human desires that can control us, appetite, ambition, and our hunger for approval, then we will chase after those things, and those things become roadblocks between us and our ability to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's still in me. We can still come into places like this and have supernatural encounters with God and feel seen by Him. The question is, when we leave here, are we moving in the power of the Holy Spirit? And if we're not, more than likely, it's because those human desires have too hard of a grip on our lives. Are appetites bad? No, they're not. There's a part of me, when I see the hot sun on it, Krispy Kreme, my heart celebrates at the part that physical appetite becomes a controlling addiction. It's something different. Wanting approval from other people is good. Can we agree on that? If you are a parent, there is something healthy about your child wanting your approval. This is, this is a good thing. At the point that it crosses over into boastfulness and there's an unhealthy desire inside of me that wants other people to envy me, then that's a different story. You track it with me? ambition I want my kids to have ambition I want my kids to be motivated to be productive contributing members of society especially that means that one day they're going to be able to take care of Vanessa and I Vanessa's amen from the back yes yeah it's something very different when there's something inside of us that is only ever satisfied with more you track it with me Human desire is part of the human experience, but something inside of us, when we're born into the family of God and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, we're supposed to have dominance and governance over those things. When Adam and Eve were created and God says, I want you to rule and have dominion over all of this, He wasn't just talking about the tangible things. So when you and I are born into the family of God, there's this this journey that we go on to learn how to govern ourselves. And until we learn how to govern ourselves and say no to those things, that we will never fully move in the power of the Holy Spirit and the way that God intended us to, which means that there will be deeds that were left undone. Now, Jesus has his experience with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? It absolutely mirrors the experiences that disciples had as well. So as we continue to read in the story of Scripture, what we find is that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time after Jesus' death. During one of the post-resurrection experiences in John 20, Jesus passes through the wall. He appears in a room, and he says to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then it says that he breathed on them. You know why he did that? Because these were Jewish people. Jewish people who were steeped in the biblical narrative. And they understood that in the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, when God caused Adam to formed his body out of the dust of the earth, it says that that what did God do? He, yes, you guys are biblically literate. Come on. He breathed on them. The breath of heaven, the spirit of God, the Ruach HaKodesh in the Hebrew, not only caused Adam to come physically alive, but spiritually alive. Can you imagine what it must have been like for those disciples huddled in that room, not sure what has happened? How is it that his tomb is empty? Where has he gone? And then all of a sudden he appears to them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. What must it have been like when he breathed on them? Come on. Just like it was for Adam and Eve in the beginning of time. Just like it's been like for each of us when He's breathed on us at times in our lives. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of them. Now it's curious, isn't it? The Holy Spirit is in them, they now, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of them. And then we get to the ascension of Jesus. Over 500 people are there, the first chapter of Acts, and Jesus says, You will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, speaking of some future encounter, do you think the disciples raised their hands and said, hey, I got a question. Remember when you breathed on us back in the upper room? I think we've got him already. No, I, no, because they understood it was just the beginning. There were more encounters to come. And as you continue to read through the book of Acts, you find that they continued to be filled. The Holy Spirit continued to come again and again and again and again. incredible, the stories that are there. So then they gather and they wait. It starts with 500 all at the ascension. By the time we get to the day of Pentecost, that 500 has been reduced down to 120. Not everybody's willing to wait a little bit longer for what God wants to do in their life. It's interesting to me that if we follow the chronological context of Scripture, what we find is that there were 40 days, 40 days, the Bible says, that Jesus appeared to the disciples post-resurrection. I think there's a reason why he did it for 40. We understand that the Israelites wandered for 40 years. We track through. We see Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and then we see once again that that here they are Jesus is appearing to them post resurrection for another 40 days. I think that's because God was allowing the disciples to go through their own wilderness journey of the soul to face down these appetites that had controlled them, especially Peter himself. It was that appetite for the approval of man, this this need for approval, this desire for approval that caused him to deny Christ. Jesus knew that these disciples had to be willing to face those things so that they would be prepared to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then on the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover, Penta means 50. So we know that those disciples, Jesus' ascension, for 10 days, for 10 days, they prayed, they worshiped, they fasted, they studied God's word, and then they were ready. And then the Holy Spirit comes. And the image that the Bible says, it is not a dove like it was that rested on Jesus. This time, they, it, but before they spoke in these other tongues, what's the image that says that came and rested on each of their heads? Yes, come on. Proud pastor moments tonight, many of them. It's not a dove for us. It was a flame of fire. It was a dove for Jesus because a dove is a sign of purity. Jesus needed no purification for the Holy Spirit to be inside of him. He needed no purification for the Holy Spirit to come upon him. He, 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 he needed no purification because he was without sin. You and me, on the other hand. There ain't no doves coming our way. Paul says that our bodies, and not just our bodies but even the immaterial part of who we are is supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when Solomon had the temple ready in the Old Testament, they put sacrifices and it says that there was a fire that came from heaven. They didn't light the fire. The fire came from heaven and consumed the sacrifices, which meant that the temple was now consecrated and it was ready for the Spirit of God to come and live inside there. When you and I make a vow of devotion to Jesus, you with me? Because of Jesus' death on the cross, the Spirit of God can come live inside of me because the death of Jesus takes upon the wrath of God, which means that I am now purified and I'm a place where the Spirit of God can dwell. So the fire reminds us that we, like that temple, we have to be consecrated through a vow of devotion to Jesus to be made holy so the Spirit can come and rest in us and reside in us. And then for the rest of our days, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to combat and battle the desires of our humanity. The appetites of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Appetites, approval, and ambitions Those things are given to us to serve us. We are not created to serve those things. We're created to serve our creator. There's good deeds that you and I are supposed to do. And many of those deeds will not be possible without the power of the Holy Spirit moving upon us. It's it's interesting that when Jesus gives this command, the final one, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says, you're going to be my witnesses, right? This, this is part of, 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 of the responsibility we have. Like the young people that were in the baptistry tonight, you're going to be my witnesses. He says, in, in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, many of us grew up believing that that was geographic. I, I don't believe that anymore. I heard a, a sermon, I've shared it many times, by Bishop Cla- Claude Alexander. He, he said, that wasn't talking about geography, it was talking about diversity, what he was saying to those disciples is, hey, you, you've got to go to Jerusalem. He started them there because those were the people that were like them, looked like them, believed like them, saw the world like them. It's a lot easier to relate to people in sameness, is it not? It's easier to reach people that we can relate to. But then he said, now, now you can't just stay in Jerusalem. you got to go to Judea. Judea represent the aristocracy, the, the, the wealthy ruling class that would have looked down upon these disciples. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, and don't forget, you got to be willing to take this message to the gospel, of the gospel to people who have prejudiced against you. And then he said, not only that, you got to go to Samaria. Now, we all know about that. Samaria were the people that they looked down on all of us have some prejudice in our heart, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And this is powerful. Then Jesus says, and if you can do that, if you can reach the people that look like you, if you can reach the people that have prejudice against you, if you can reach the people that you have prejudice towards, then you're ready to go and reach the world. I think one of the reasons why the church struggles with the message of the gospel to the world is because when the world looks at us, it sees so oftentimes that we struggle with this journey of diversity, of being in community with people that think and look and act differently than we do. And one of the reasons we struggle with that, can we agree, is because our human desire has too much of a grip on our lives. We've got to do a better job of dealing with appetite and approval and ambition, conquering those things so that we, like Jesus, can come out of the wilderness and move in the power of the Holy Spirit and take the message of the gospel to a dying world. I'm going to invite the keys to come back up. You might say, Fred, how does all of this fit into this series? there are godly deeds that are supposed to flow from our lives. Romans 2, Matthew 16 as we've been talking about in this series, we're all we're going we're going to be judged according to our deeds. And in this series we've learned that good godly deeds aren't going to flow from our lives unless we are virtuous. And we're never gonna be virtuous unless we give ourselves to the 12 pathways, which is the activity of Christianity. And and those things cause the soil of our life to be fertile. And, And what I'm saying to you tonight is the reason why those 12 pathways matter, the reason why those 12 pathways are what they are, because the Bible teaches us that each one of those 12 in their own right, in their own way, each one individually and then collectively all of them satisfy and fulfill the six commands of Jesus. How many of you know when you read Scripture, you experience a deeper devotion to Christ? How many of you know when you read Scripture, there's a sense of intimacy that begins to build in your heart towards the Father as you begin to see all the promises that He's made to you? How many of you know that as you, as you read Scripture, there's something inside of you that wants to begin to care for other people, and the Bible shows you how to do it? How many of you know that as you read scripture, that you find the courage to change and you begin to discover the ways that you actually need to do it? How many of you know that when you read scripture, there's something inside of you that wants to give yourself to the mission of Christ and building his church? And How many of you know that when you read scripture, that there's a communion that you find with the Holy Spirit because he's always there with you, teaching you through every turn of every page? If we had time tonight, we could walk through all 12 of the pathways and do that for each one. See, see, these commands that he gives to us, I walk out these commands by these 12 pathways. And as I walk out these 12 pathways, I become a virtuous person. And as I become a virtuous person, every good and godly deed that God has assigned to me and to you from the foundations of earth are going to be fulfilled. Stand with me. Every week we tell the story of the gospel. So as we land the plane here tonight, we're gonna tell it again. We call it Welcome Home. Not because we're trying to welcome you to this church, but because we want you to feel welcomed into the family of God. We we, we talked about earlier tonight, this this desire inside of us to be seen by God. Every one of us deep inside, there's this longing to know God and to be known by Him. And one day when you and I breathe our last, which we will, we're gonna have to stand before God And he's gonna ask us the question of whether or not we've made a vow of devotion to Christ. And it breaks our heart to think that there will be people that will feel seen by God for the very first time on that day. Now, Now, this dilemma that we face is real. We, we, we have this desire to know God and to be known by him, but we're born into this world separated from him. And then all of the regrets that we have that build up that sin keeps us separated from God. And, and it's serious because the Bible says that the smallest regret is worthy of eternal death, but that's where Jesus steps in. And he says, I have good news for you. Because when he died on the cross for you and for me 2,000 years ago, he died for every regret so that there could be forgiveness So that when we make a vow of devotion to him, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And not only do we have the opportunity to experience the fullness of life here, but we're told that that then we're extended this invitation of eternal life there. So on that day of judgment, as you and I step into that moment, we don't have to step in with a fear of condemnation. We step in with a humble hope and celebration that there's an extended hand to us that says to us, come to be with me in paradise. We tell that story every week because we want people to hear it, whether they're in this room or whether they're part of our online community. And in hearing, they might believe. And in believing, they might make their own profession of faith. Because you don't have to wait until the end to know God and to be known by him. That can be your gift for the rest of your life. And then when you make a vow of devotion to Christ, like the people that were baptized tonight, the Bible says you're born into the family of God. You take your first spiritual breath. So bow your heads with me. If you're here tonight and you would say, Fred, as I look back over to the story of my life, I can't find a moment in time where I've made a vow of devotion to Christ. My encouragement is that Vanessa and I are going to be down here at the front at the end of the service. We, we would love for you to come and talk with us. So Father, I pray that for every person that's in this room, if they're part of our online community, I pray they would hit that button. They would go into a private chat room and talk and pray with one of our hosts more about what it means to be born into your family. to begin to pour out their lives for these fundamentals that transform and change so that we can become the people that you've called and created us to be. God, we want every good work that you created us to do to flow from our lives. And may it, and may it be, may it be, that we would lean hard into the power of the Holy Spirit for all the ones that are going to take more than ourselves to see accomplished. In Jesus' name, come on and everybody said together.